You are now tuned in to episode 93 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. I am Scott Sturman, and as always, I'm joined by my buddy Matt Deitch. Matt, what's happening? Not much. Another just day, living the dream. Just living the dream, man. Living the dream. Some days it's the nightmare, but today it's the dream. Yeah, but more dreams than nightmares. So that's always good, More right? dreams and nightmares. Okay, okay. <laughs> are you a person that dreams like when you, when you are asleep? Do you dream a whole lot or... Uh, it's hard sometimes. I don't know what depends as a lot. There's some that you always remember, but there's some that some nights it doesn't seem like you do. Like, I don't feel like I dream at all, period. Just a hard, deep sleeper. But last night I had a dream. Uh-oh. So this is weird. I was literally playing football against all turtles. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. I'm dead oh. freaking what serious. You, what did you eat before you went to bed? A whole bunch of pizza. Uh, Rice Krispie and caramel bars, and a whole slew of root beer. <laughs> Dear, serious, like got you out there playing football against some turtles. And the wildest thing was Kayla's family was over last night, and uh, I actually was talking with them, and I was telling them about how fast I can fall asleep. Like if I lay in bed, seriously, like fifteen seconds, and I'm out. Boom. Yep, just out. And I was telling them like, and I never dream. I never dream. And you know they're all like, wow, you know whatever. And all of a sudden I woke up and, you know, I don't know if it was the two or three or four o'clock in the morning or whatever, Slate had woke up and Kayla had woke up to, to feed him and change his diaper and whatnot. And I'm just like, holy moly, like that was the freaking goofiest <laughs> thing I've ever experienced. <laughs> it definitely but, sounds like it. Yeah. No, that was a little, that was a little crazy, but no, uh, hold on. The frick? Oh no, we are still recording. I don't know what the heck was going on there with my computer it, Tried to act like it was, wasn't was recording, and I'm like, huh. Where, where did we go? Yeah, well, lucky we were only about two minutes in, and we could have started over. But uh, Right. We'll just keep it rolling. We're going to keep it rolling. Sorry about that turtles, little speed bump in the road. Tur- the turtles got these me people, flustered. Yeah, these people thought you they were having a dream. They were playing <laughs> hockey against a bunch of rabbits or something out there. Hey, I mean, that's not that crazy. <laughs> you can't help what you dream about. That's right. I dream about bass boats, <laughs> catching big fish. And turtles playing football. Pretty simple guy. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's all there really is to it. So, no, uh, Bassmaster Tournament is officially in the books uh, down there on Gunnersville. Actually, the second time on Gunnersville this year. Right. Uh, the Bassmaster Classic was down there, and uh, now there was an elite tournament down there. But, um, yeah, the, for reasons uh, COVID and whatnot, they kind of, you know, halfway through the year, they kind of had to scrap the schedule and just get uh, – get a bunch of tournaments in when they could and and the really crazy part about it right now is it's back to back to back they go from gunnersville to santee cooper to oh yeah i don't even know fork right is it fork i believe so i think it's like fork down in texas but um yeah kind of crazy uh you know a lot of traveling for these guys and i actually heard a statistic um between practice days and if you would make all day fours the final days. So if you'd make the 10 cuts on these tournaments, you would fish like 18 or 19 days out of like 24. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've gone on fishing trips before, like where, you know, you, you fish for two, three days in a row. And right. I mean, you know, by the end of it, it's like, holy smokes. Like, you know, you just need a day off the water. You need a day out of the sun. You need right. oh, you yeah. know, whatever. And time to recharge your own batteries. Right. But, uh, 
you know, it's really kind of cool. These these fall tournaments are just grinders. You they know? really are. It, it, it kind of proves what fall fishing is really about. You know, people think that it's going to be out, go out there and crush big fish because they're putting on the fall feed bags, but it can be kind of feast or famine, and it definitely showed in this tournament. I mean, you know, I think we've all had these conversations, uh, you know, when we're looking at some of these elite series tournaments, and, you know, there's some of these guys that, that don't do well. And, you know, it's like, golly, like, how, how can you go out there and fish on Lake Gunnersville for a whole entire day and not catch, you know, one or two? And then you watch a guy like John Cox, who I truly believe may be the best bass fisherman in the world. If, if he's not the best, he's he's top five, and I don't know. For if, sure. Oh, I yeah. mean, whatever. And he goes out there on day number two and only catches one. Right. And, like, he flat out said, like, I ran around that lake. I tried. Like, I just <laughs> could not do it. I mean that I mean it really goes to show you, you know, I mean you got to you got to fall on the right stuff and and yeah. Right. You if gotta, you don't, you don't. You got to have a game plan and I mean yeah, to see a guy like that not be able to scrap five keeper bites together even small ones is it's kind of wild. Right. And then you hear from these other guys that are like, "Well, I'm just going to go catch, you know, a limit of, you know, small spotted bass and then I'll go run around and try to catch the bigger ones and I don't know if John Cox is just so programmed to only catch big fish because day number one, he was sitting in third place and he only brought four fish. Right. And, you know, I mean, just all tanks. I think he had 17 pounds and four fish. Yeah. And, so, that, and that's easy. That's very possible that he could have just been on a different program where that's where his goal was, was he's going to go out there and, you know, he knew he's only going to get four or five bites in a day. You might as well fish for the big bites instead right, of right. chase little bites. And yep, he knew that they were going to be the right bites if he could get them, and yeah, is what it is. But uh, no, Frank Tally comes away with the win, and big Frank, big Frank, the tank Tally, and and I really, uh, you know, obviously we, I was going for Bob Downey. Uh, Bob Downey's a past guest on this show from up north here. Uh, uh, I don't know, he's kind of built from Wisconsin, but yet he's kind of from uh, uh, Minnesota. He's got a Hawkeye on on the windshield of his That's boat. Right. And uh, so, I mean, you got to go for a guy like that. But uh, if he wasn't going to win, I, I'd like to see Frank Talley win uh, because I really think it's going to change Frank Talley's life. Oh, you know? it definitely has already. Right. And, and you kind of wonder, like, once you get that first Elite Series win, once you get that thing off your back, you know – It'll be interesting to see going forward how much better Frank Talley fishes. Right, you got you. He'll have so much more confidence. And right, just know that he's out. There, you know, all of his work that he's putting in, it's for a purpose. And right, he's felt that purpose now. Yep. Uh, interesting. Interesting thing about Frank Talley though is he's fished twenty one tournaments in the Bass organization, and he's finished in the money twenty times. How many? Twenty. Twenty out of how many? Twenty one. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I mean, there's a lot of guys that I didn't realize that he his stats were that good. Were that you know, good. That he was finishing at least in the top. He has like eight top thirty finishes. Really? Yeah. So now, now is that deceiving with Bassmaster because everybody gets paid no matter what, all the way down? So is that deceiving? Uh, it can be, I suppose. I'm I'm not sure if they count that when they say you know in the money. If, uh, right. If they, if it's a top 40 or whatever, if he's made the three cut, you know, looking down it, I mean, he does have a lot of forties. There's some sixties and 70 place finishes and stuff like that. So how long it, can you tell there? How long has he been in the elite series? 
in the Elite Series. I believe this is his second year. Second year. Yep. Well, good for him. I mean... And he's fished a lot of the Opens and stuff like that, so... Right. But, no, you know, and a lot of the Northern guys really did pretty well in this tournament. They Uh, really did. uh, You know, Fighter ended up just out of the last cut. He got 11th. Uh, You know, Bob Downey, of course, got 6th. Austin Felix uh, did pretty good on day one. He didn't do as good on day two. But uh, a couple of the Johnstons, uh, a couple of the Johnstons, there's only a couple of them. So uh, I don't know if it was Chris or Corey, I think ended up like in 13th or 14th. And um, no, so so a lot of Northern guys it was Corey. had. Corey did? Yeah. So a lot of Northern guys uh, uh, did well. So that's pretty awesome to see when there's only, you know, six, seven of them. I'll tell you one of the northern guys that didn't do very well, and that's a guy, guy from Indiana named Bill Lowen, who I happen to have on my fantasy fishing deal. And I think on day one he caught one fish, and I think on day two he caught like two fish. Yeah, it was a struggle out there for him. To finish like sixth to last and uh, drop me in fantasy fishing like a freaking rock. But uh, Jeremy Kay, my neighbor Jeremy Kay across the road, we just got done talking to him right before we uh, – we're recording this, and uh, he had a stellar week. He's he's on a different plan. Like, I don't know what he's doing. He, he does more reading than the rest of us, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. He he, he knows how to pick the pick the guys. and tell, uh, tell your dad to keep him, like, a lot busier at work this week so that he doesn't have time to. Well, and I shouldn't have reminded him that there was a tournament. Right. He just about didn't He get didn't realize that up. it was started on Wednesday. He thought it started on Thursday. He thought it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday tournament like normal. And had I not reminded him, he, he'd... There was a few guys that forgot to fill out a full lineup, too. Tony Reuter. <laughs> it's like, man, you're confident in your he's, four guys that... Uh, he still finished just about as good as right. me. I mean, Bill Lowen, I might as well have not picked him. Right. No, no. So uh, that was kind of cool. Whatever, uh, cool tournament. It's I'm pumped to have fishing back, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what these next tournaments right look right. like. So uh, no, I don't know. If you got anything else to say here uh, on the intro before we head over to our interview? No, it should be a fun interview today. Should be. Uh, we've actually got Brett Blumendahl of Blumendahl Guide Service uh, on the show today. And uh, kind of cool, Brett actually grew up right here in Rock Rapids, uh, uh, where Matt lives now and where I was born and raised and still living. I mean, so uh, yeah, Brett's brother Brandon was a couple years older than me in school, and uh, his dad Blythe used to be the sheriff here in town. I mean, so the Blumendahls got, uh, got some roots here in Rock Rapids, and uh, when we found out that Brett was guiding up in Skakawea, up in North Dakota, you know, it's like, God dang it, we can't not have him on. That's right. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, we're going to get over to Brett. And we're here today with Brett Blumendahl of Blumendahl Guide Service. Brett, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing pretty good over here. How impressed are you that you actually found some people that knew how to pronounce your last name? Well, super impressed (laughs) would have been my first answer, but knowing that you're from Rock Rapids, I had a feeling that you probably were aware, so... (laughs) How how often... What's the craziest pronunciation you've ever had? Oh, jeez. I mean, the most frequent is always Bloomingdale. Bloomingdale? Yeah. Um, (laughs) I I couldn't even come up with the craziest one, honestly. I have no idea. But they get pretty wild? They get pretty... The spelling is what's usually weirder. Oh, yeah. Honestly. And I don't think these people are actually saying it out loud when they spell it, if that makes sense, because it 
they wouldn't be able to phonetically get anything out of that. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed, but I know why. Yeah, right. 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 So, uh, first off, you know, we're going to get started with a couple random questions. And uh, my question would be, um, would we be more likely to find you out in your boat in a pair of Crocs or a pair of cowboy boots? Crocs. Crocs? Oh, oh yeah. Man. This, this is my dude right here. Uh. <laughs> Do you wear Crocs regularly on the boat? I don't know if I've ever worn them on the boat, but I, I bought my first pair of Crocs last year, and I've never owned cowboy boots, so there's really no other way to answer that question. That's true. Yeah. Your life changed when you bought those Crocs, didn't it? It did. Well, the weird thing was I got comments like that on Facebook all the time, and I was like, I had no idea this was some secret society of footwear. Like, this is kind of bewildering to me, but... It's um, not a secret society. Oh, it is. It's, it's a club, and you ain't cool it enough, needs, Matt. It needs to be one that's shut down. <laughs> Haters gonna hate. Oh. Okay, um, for my question, we'll get off the, the croc train here, because Scott will talk about it all night, but... Well, people want to hear it. <laughs> If you were a UFC fighter, what would your walkout song be? Holy cow. I, I The first thing that comes to mind is Eye of the Tiger, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah ain't nothing wrong with that. Nope. Are you a I mean, UFC fan? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> but I used, to, I used to be a huge WWF, which is now WWE wrestling fan when I was a kid, though, and my... My brother and I would like stage fights and we would have our own walk-up music. And of course, we would hum it ourselves because we didn't have anything to play it. So I was usually Ultimate Warrior. Oh, Ultimate yeah. Warrior. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you actually put on the face paint? No, I, uh. we didn't get a hold of face paint. Um, <laughs> I had some like shoestrings I made for those. Oh, oh yeah. For the, biceps, for the tassels. So. Dang right. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was pretty rad. So, uh, you know, Brett, you, you obviously uh, grew up here in Rock Rapids where me and Matt live now, and uh, there's not a whole lot of lakes real close. Of course, you know, we have Okaboji uh, an hour to the east, and, you know, some of the glacial lakes, you know, up by Brookings, South Dakota, you know, hour and a half, uh, you know, up to the north, you know, Minnesota, you know, obviously has lakes, and, and the Missouri River's a few hours away, but uh, where did you get your start, and how did you start fishing? Honestly, it was the Rock River. Like, we used to just ride our bikes down there with a fishing pole and catch carp and bullhead and catfish all day, which was, I mean, I always kind of aspired to catch something different and hoped I'd hit a walleye or a pike someday. But that was, that was really the first between that and like fishing little, you know, bluegill bass ponds and stuff. But then eventually dad started bringing us out to the big river by Chamberlain and Pier. And that's kind of where it exploded really for me. Did your have or did your dad have a boat while you were growing up? He did. He had a couple of different boats. One of which he pretty much cobbled together and built himself. And then him and his buddy kind of bought a more legit Lund boat. I think I don't remember what kind. I remember it being blue, <laughs> but I think it might have been a Cherokee or a Tai. Okay. I'd have to ask him, but yeah, pretty much most of my childhood, I remember dad having a boat while I was old enough to fish. And, you know, the coolest part is, hell, it didn't even matter what kind of boat it was. You know, the, no. the main point is that you were out on the water, and, and obviously it, it lit a spark in you because here you are now with Blumendahl Guide Service. Yeah, I mean, at least initially it didn't matter, but then eventually when we wanted to go fish somewhere like 
the Missouri River reservoirs. We kind of needed a boat that could handle it, obviously. But no, I mean, I, I was just happy as a clam being out anywhere on the water, pole in hand, catching anything. Right. Any any memorable trips with that boat? Oh, yeah, plenty. I mean, I we had a variety of different trips, either with, you know, some of his fishing buddies or with just, like, my brother went most of the times i remember my stepmom coming a couple of times and um any time that we could go to pier that was always my thing like he would take he started taking us to chamberlain and and but he would always kind of you know hinge that well the, the big fish are really up at pier on lake oahe and someday maybe you know when you get old enough and i was like screw this chamberlain crop like let's go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i want to go catch some big fish so anytime we went to pier just that first image of coming over the oahe land dam the bridge mm-hmm. Um, it was just that scenery and like knowing what you're about to get into just always got me excited. Nice. Who's, who's a better fisherman? You or Brandon? He's like, he's probably a better all around pure fisherman. Really? But I, but I get a fish more often than he does. And I specialize a little more. So I, I am a way better walleye fisherman than he'll ever be. Put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Point blank. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so where did you end up going uh, after high school, Brett? I went to Buena Vista University in Storm Lake, and oddly enough, just to add a little story to that, they have pretty good walleye fishing. But I never fished Storm Lake while I was in college. I don't think I fished period while I was in college, except for a, a family trip we took to Canada. Um, so that was kind of a weird thing. I kind of had a gap and a hiatus there in fishing for a while, and then did the investment analyst thing for a number of years, but. Um, eventually dad and I bought a boat together and now I own that boat by myself and it eventually became a guide boat. So how, how did that, how did that all work? Like at, at what point in your life were you like, you know what, I think I'm going to start guiding. Part of it kind of started, um, with social media, honestly, because we would, once we got, we got our boat again in, in 2015 and then we started going back to old hat stuff, you know, like. Chamberlain and Platt and Oahe, and then we um, we fished Leech Lake a little bit, and then we stretched out to Devil's Lake and eventually to Kakawea. And we just posted pictures of the fish that we were catching, and then people started bugging us and asking if we'd take them. And at first, we're like, no, we're not going to take you. We're not a fishing guide, right? And then it happened enough that we kind of started looking at each other and scratched our heads and like, maybe we should actually start a guide service. So I guess I was the first one that either wanted to do it enough or was frustrated enough with sitting in an office that it was just kind of time for me. I needed to be outside. I needed to move around more. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. I guess it just kind of took over and became all consuming for me. Nice. You know, we were all kind of talking before we started recording here, you know, for, for us living here in, in Northwest Iowa, if, if somebody would say that they, you know, left Northwest Iowa and wanted to be a guide, you know, Platt or Chamberlain or or something like that would be, uh, you know, legitimate, you know, something that, oh yeah, that's not, that's not too crazy. But Sakakawea is just, you know, that's a, that's a place where I don't feel a ton of people from Northwest Iowa really fish that often. What was it about Sakakawea that really drew you in and, and that you knew, Hey, this is where I want to be. Well, it, it started with the fact that, um, Oahe was kind of struggling to come back from that flood in 2010 a little bit and kind of lost their bait fish population. 
and Sakakawea did too. Like they both were in the same place, but Sakakawea came back quicker. Um, and the big draw, um, especially for dad and I was always the big walleyes. Like we like catching a lot of fish, but we really wanted to catch big ones. And Oahe just didn't have a lot of fish in that four, five, six, seven plus pound range. But Sakakawea was coming back pretty good. And he had fished it, I don't know, like late 80s, early 90s or something when I was a kid. Um, so I just, I kept putting the bug in his ear that we should go back up and try it. And once we did, you know, we did pretty well. And then I just kind of, I don't know, I got to know some people around here that were pretty instrumental in helping me get my career going. And I then I, by the time I spent as much time here, I just got more comfortable with this than I did with Hawaii because I, all of a sudden I had fished it more and I don't know, it just kind of fell into place, I guess. So now, like, your target species mainly is walleye, correct? Yeah, that's that's definitely the target. Some people will ask about um, northern pike, and I can't I can't claim to be an expert on them, but we, you know, we catch plenty of them on the lake when we're walleye fishing anyway, so we can certainly make a day of that, and, and you catch a lot of smallmouth bass out here. That's kind of exploded the last probably five to eight to ten years, too, but walleyes are definitely the the premier target for sure. Nice. Now, like Sakakawea, that that's just a whole different animal. You know, like I, I think about being down by Platte and I've never fished up on Sakakawea, but I mean the depths and the contours and I mean, it's, it's really a pretty wild reservoir, correct? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot more, it's bigger and it has more diversity probably. And it's not that much different from Lake Oahe in my view, I guess. Um, but when you're talking about platter Chamberlain versus Oahe and Sakakawea, yeah, it's a, it's a very different ball game. It's much bigger water and a lot more opportunities to get lost. If you don't know where you're going, I guess. Um, yeah, there's just more places for fish to be. Now, do you guys got the salmon up there? You know, they've got the salmon down farther in the river. Do you guys got any of them up there? We do. Yeah. Do you? Is that anything you ever pursue or not really? I I have literally never fished for or caught a salmon myself. Um, some, would get, some of the guides that I know and kind of network with do. So if anybody asks about that, I have somebody to refer them to at least. But um, I know I've never never been part of that. Huh. What are what are some of the techniques like? Say say if we were going to be going on a guide trip, uh, you know, right now, what are uh, what are your go to techniques that you take some of your customers out doing? Well, the biggest thing that everybody knows about the the reservoirs is the bottom bouncer and spinners. But as you get to this time of year, you know, the closer we get to true fall fishing, to me, it's always crankbait trolling and jigs and minnows or jigging wraps. Um, the fisher, they're going to be deep, but not super, super deep. Like they get towards the end of summer and that fall transition period, you know, you kind of start getting fish back into 20 to 30 feet. And it's just it's just perfect for lead core and jigging wraps and the the jig and the minnow bites pretty fun too. Um, I don't I don't do a lot of bottom bouncers beyond this part of the year, but that probably makes up like eighty percent of the fishing throughout the entire season, for sure. How important are electronics to you? I mean, do you spend a lot of time uh, motoring around and and looking at your graphs, or do you kind of have your areas that have have traditionally been your areas and and that's where you go? Yeah, no, they're huge. Um, it, 
I'm sure a lot of people have said the same thing, but it's kind of, it's changed the way that a lot of people fish. And yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things that I've had to learn how to, I guess, get customers kind of comfortable with, um, knowing that I'm driving around for a purpose. <laughs> and so right. like they get oh, kind of yeah. anxious that they want to get a line in the water, but I, you know, I, I try to bring them into the process and kind of show them what I'm looking at. And a lot of people wind up getting more interested in the, in the grass and they do the actual fish sometimes, which, which is good because if I'm going to be driving around sometimes for an hour, looking at spots is because fishing is slow. Like it takes time to fish a spot, but you can graph it, you know, in a couple of minutes. And I, I'm trying to save them time for, you know, we don't want to drop on dead water. We right. want to drop on fish. And, you know, in the spring, that's, tougher when the fish are shallow because you can't graph them right beneath you. You got to get really good with side imaging, which you can do. Um, but if, when the fish are 20 to 30 feet, yeah, I, I don't stop the boat until I graph fish underneath me usually. So now like take us through a typical day with you out on the water. If we're getting in the boat on a guide trip. Yeah. So the start time is going to depend by season, but you know, sometime, seven to eight to nine in the morning and then it's usually a seven to eight hour day um we're gonna tr we're gonna try to get on fish as quickly as possible but the beginning of the day we might spend more time driving around but once we get on those on those fish you know it's a lot of it's going to be bottom monster stuff before the peak of the season um in terms of like you know, fishing versus, I, I think some people ask questions about like shore lunches and stuff like that. And I, I don't have a problem like going back into shore and dropping people off. I don't have like a full shore lunch kind of service. And Sakakoe is not really that type of place. I guess it doesn't really lend itself to that very well. It's a little more, you know, there's like, if you go to Canada or something, there's always like, you know, an island with a beach that you can, you know, that's kind of a, a big deal to do a shore lunch in Canada, but that's not what we do. It's pretty much eight hours fishing the way you want to fish um and yeah i mean we're, we're just out there to fish that's the main goal absolutely what's the biggest fish any of your customers have ever landed uh walleye wise we actually have a competition going this year called the wall hangers competition um so whoever gets the longest walleye this year gets a free replica oh, yeah. um, if, oh, cool. if they release it so it's kind of a catch and release promotion as well. Yeah. Um, and so far we're sitting at 27 and an eighth okay. for walleye this year. And I'm hoping somebody has a shot to break that here in October. It's probably the best time to do it. And, you know, selfishly it makes things really exciting if somebody breaks a record. So <laughs> I'm kind of rooting for it. But uh, I also like the guy that's currently holding first place. So if he gets it, that's great too. <clears throat> that's not your brother, is it? No, he both my brother and my dad are not in the contest qualifying for the contest because of family right uh reasons but um yeah only only clients okay cool. uh, they went they wouldn't catch one that big anyway yeah. <laughs> no that has been close that is a really cool contest though I've, I've never heard of any guy doing that but that's a really cool way to uh to promote the catch and release deal and uh yeah i i think that's really cool what you know obviously you know i don't i don't think that you're going to be in your boat fighting with a client you know to, to release a fish but uh up there on skakawea what what uh size of, of fish do you kind of well that's probably more you know let it go and, and we'll save you know that spot in the limit for for a smaller eater fish 
Yeah, so there's no official minimums or maximums or slots or anything. You get to keep five fish of any size per day and 10 possession. But that being said, um, you know, we, we try to say, you know, if, if anything's much over 20 inches, I would we try to educate them and, and explain that that's our biggest breeding fish and that's what keeps the lake going. And we would recommend that they release it. However, it's their choice in the matter. So typically... You know, if it's 20, 21 inches, uh, especially if, we're, if it's one of those days where we think we're probably going to need that to fill out a limit, I don't have a problem with that. But um, if there's plenty of 17 to 19 inch fish, you know, being caught, that's that's kind of our target. And we kind of lightly encourage people to, to throw the bigger ones back. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what are the fish built like up there? You know, down at Chamberlain, they're kind of a long, lean fish. Up there in Sakakawea, are they are they pretty thick or how do they, they are, fill out? Yeah, they are thick. It's it's kind of a double-edged sword, honestly, because um, since the smelt population came back so strong after that flood in 2010, we have really, really healthy, thick, strong tanks of fish. But at the same time, it's gotten a little bit tougher to catch them this year, honestly, because of the amount of bait in the system when you when you do they're incredible fish and I, I i still am amazed like every time i go to clean fish how how strong those fish are just to handle and hold down compared to fish that i catch anywhere else um they're they just they got a lot of spunk and they got a lot of muscle and they're just thick nice now you talked about the smelt that that's obviously the walleye's main forage up there it is yeah there's um there's some Cisco or Lake Herring in that here, and there's a little bit of shad as well, and there's there's perch that they forage on and some smallmouth bass and white bass, but smelt's kind of the, the lifeblood of the system. So when, when that smelt population got kind of all tanked during that flood, that's what you know, that's what leads to tough times is when the smelt's population tanks for sure. So when you're when you're out there graphing, do you ever I mean, I'm I'm assuming in my head that the smelt, you know, that you can find big bait balls down there. Uh, is that is oh, that yeah. kind of what you're graphing for, you know, along with fish along the bottom? Yeah, definitely, especially this time of year and, like, even late summer. That's when you start to see a lot of that stuff out deep, and you can get it on the graph. Um, if, if you go into any of the major bays right now, you're sometimes you'll think your screen's broken because it looks <laughs> like it's just full of fuzz, but it's just bait. It's just all over. Well, it's, it's probably a good thing you finally pulled the film off of that. <laughs> and I was watching that video the other day and they finally got you to pull the, the protective covering off. Yeah, I mean, just think of what I could have seen if I would have had that off. The time. <laughs> now, now, obviously the water temperature's got to be going down up there, Brett. What are you seeing? Yeah, it's it's starting to. Um, it's The main lake's mostly right around 60 degrees or 59, give or take. Some of the bays are, have dipped down to 56 or 7. So it's it's right on that cusp of where, you know, if we get to mid fifties, low fifties and then high forties, that's when fall fishing gets really good. Um, so we kind of need a little, a little push yet to get it down. And it, like I said, we had, we, we had some freezing temps last night. We're supposed to have some freezing temps tonight. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to be long. Yeah. Now, how long do you, do you guide all the way up until the bays start freezing up? Or is there like an end date where you stop guiding or have set in stone? Yeah, the goal is basically as long as 
the water's open and people are calling. Yeah, we want we want to keep going. Typically, though, uh, I mean, there can be some times where you get open water days that work in November, but uh, the odds of having enough a string of good weather days before that are so low that I'm, you know, more than likely I'm going to be back before the end of October. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now we, we've always kind of asked some of the guides, you know, is there any crazy stories, uh, with customers, you know, wild fish, uh, you know, crazy mishaps and anything really goofy that's ever happened while you've been, uh, captaining? Yeah, there is. I actually had a guy fall in this year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> we got to hear crazy. about it. And the, the crazy thing is, um, I always imagined, well, first of all, I always feared this situation when I started guiding. I like, I, I like someday somebody's going to fall in and I, you know, I, I just dread that moment, but I thought it was going to be a, a day that was really rough, you know, and somebody lost their balance when on board or B somebody's stupid drunk. Right. And it was neither of those things. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a flat calm day and it's kind of chilly. So the guy's wearing a bunch of gear, which kind of made it scary right. when he went in, but He's he's sitting up in the front, and he's he's sitting on his cooler, and he 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 stands up and bends forward to grab something, and then goes to reach his haunches back and sit back down on the cooler and misses. So he literally missed the cooler. His butt falls like on the back end of the cooler and starts him somersaulting backwards and goes headfirst straight down into the water. And he's got, I mean, he's. He's older, like he's not an old guy, but he's, you know, low to mid 60s and had hearing aids and glasses. And and I, I'm just like my, my heart's in my throat, right? Just making like, please let this guy come up. And I'm running up to the front and I put my hand down there and he pops right up and everything seems to be fine. And he's laughing about it, you know, the whole time, which is great. Just kind of, you know, took some of the stress off me that he's you know, cool with it. And he's not, you know, freaking out or anything. But then I turn around and I look at his wife's in the back seat, and she hasn't moved it in. She's just staring at him. <laughs> not concerned whatsoever. <laughs> Probably had a and good life then, insurance policy out on him. So well, well, then, and then she looks up front and she's just shaking her head. And she says, this is just like the time you did this in the spring, honey. Well, <laughs> 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 like, you gotta be kidding me. This is the second time that you're falling in. <laughs> He's like, yeah, third overall, but second third. this year. Oh, oh man! So, yeah, oh, so it was a it. super freaky, scary moment to you know, kind of a highlight of a trip and something to laugh about. And he's got his clothes sprawled out all over, dried off, and by the end of the day, he had stuff to wear again. And... So you kept fishing? Oh yeah, we got a limit of fish that day. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> Anything else really crazy? Uh, you know, any any wild catches or, or just crazy bad things? Any any pet peeves, like with customers? Like, is there one thing like a customer that that does that it's just kind of like you wish they wouldn't do? I've seen and read on some social media posts lately about some guys like the way some of them sit in their seat on their boat and kind of put their feet up on stuff, not liking that. Oh. Do you have any like pet peeves? Yeah, so part of it's my fault from the way my boat is set up, and I'm I'm looking to potentially upgrade my boat before next year. However, if I sit forward in my seat looking at my graph and the person behind me spins their seat around to face the back while they're, you know, trolling or casting or jigging or whatever, 
that the seat back rubs against mine. Oh, so yeah. all day long, like I feel like that person is constantly almost like if you're sitting in a theater or an airplane or something and they're like, you know, rub kicking the back <laughs> of your chair all day long. Like that's, what? that's kind of a pet peeve, but, um, I don't know. Other than that, it's, it's really been pretty good. I mean, the, the craziest thing that I can think of is I, I took some of my friends out this year and there's this, spot on Sakakawea that I'm not going to describe in any detail for obvious reasons, but it just seems to be a magical spot for whatever reason among some of the guides. And I, I told these guys, I'm like, we got to go fish this spot one time. I said, I'm going to pull up to it. I'm not even going to graph it. We're just going to drop the trolling motor in the water. We're going to fish it just because you have to. And we're not in the water for five seconds. And one of the guys says, Oh, there's a fish. I'm like, Oh, sweet. So I go to grab the net, and then my rod goes off, and I hook a fish. I'm like, oh, crap, now what do I do? I got a rod in one hand and a fish in the, or a net in the other hand. And then I hear the third guy go, I got one, too. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I try to reel my fish in as fast as I can because it doesn't feel very big. And I get it up near the surface, and then the guy in the front says, I got one, too. <laughs> <laughs> so we had four fish on at one time on this spot that clearly is magical. Um, never grabbed anything, just dropped in the water, started fishing, and we got a we got a quad right off the bat. So that was probably the most I don't know unique, bizarre, cool event of the season, I suppose. Yeah, I don't. It's pretty cool. I way. don't know how uh, serious a fisherman your friends are, but they probably looked at you like, "Holy moly!" Like <laughs> Brett's really on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was kind of a highlight. Oh, um, and, yeah. and now it's an expectation, unfortunately. Right, so. right. <laughs> What kind yeah. of boat are you running, Brett? I got a 19-foot Lund crossover right now. So crossover because, you know, Dad and I bought it together and, you know, wanted it to, to be able to use for skiing and tubing and stuff if needed. But um, it works pretty well as a fishing boat, but I, I would I would like something a little bigger and a little heavier ultimately. And I think I'm going to try to get that into play for next year. Right on. Do you nope. ever – do you ever fish any tournaments, Brett, or is that anything, uh, you know, that's kind of uh, in in the scope at all? Like, are you thinking about doing that, or are you pretty happy just doing what you're doing? Honestly, the first tournament I ever fished was your your tournament. Really? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I had talked about it a lot when I was a kid to try to get Dad to do it, because Dad used to fish tournaments back in the day. Like, he fished, he placed at a, a tournament in Chamberlain one time and that kind of stuff, and... I always thought that'd be really cool, and he's kind of over it at this point. But I think um, Brandon and I have been talking about doing it next year, potentially. Um, I think if nothing else, like we had the the National Walleye Tour was here again this year. Right. And I, I drove the boat for the cameraman for one day. It helped with the weigh-in and that kind of stuff, sorting fish. And I think doing the co-angler thing would be pretty cool to yeah. start with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I would like to do that at some point. I just haven't gotten to the point of making it happen yet. Right. You see it on a lot of those NWT tournaments that, you know, the local sticks, uh, you know, when, you know, they sign up as a pro and, and some of them can have some really good results. So, yeah, the, the guy that won this one here this year is no stranger to Lake Sakakawea at all. He's he's been around here. I don't I, I want to say that maybe he lives in Minot, which is like 45 minutes away. I could be totally wrong, but I know he's fished many, many tournaments around the area. So sometimes local knowledge can hurt you. Sometimes it can help you in these things. But yeah, definitely every time they make a stop to a local place, they get a bunch of guys that just do a one-off and just fish that tournament. Yeah. Right. 
Now, how about ice fishing, Brett? Uh, is it uh, is that something that you guide also? Do you do any of it yourself if you don't guide? Uh, wh- what about ice? I, I don't guide mostly because I don't have the gear and I, I haven't thought about making that investment yet because, as you guys know, it's it's probably just as big an investment as an open water setup, really. Right. Yeah. If you want to do it right, if you're going to be a guide and stuff. Um and even personally, I've never really done it near as much as open water fishing, but my but Brandon gets into it a lot. Brandon's tried to pull me into it, and we went once last year. I'm sure we'll probably go a time or two this year. And um, I, I, I haven't had a lot of good luck with ice fishing, but a lot of my memories is when I was a kid, and you know we're just going to the local watering hole or fishing hole somewhere nearby in Iowa that you know wasn't necessarily on. It was just that was the closest lake and we went out there and tried it. So I, I think if I had a good experience, I would like it. I like to do more of it, maybe more videos for the YouTube channel or that kind of thing. As for guiding, uh, that kind of remains to be seen. Um, it'd be a, a ways off in the future if it happened. Now you, now you talked about a YouTube channel. Uh, you, you have your own YouTube channel. I do. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Blumendahl fishing. Um, I haven't done as much of it this year as, since the guiding business has been, um, uh, I guess, a, a bigger focus of time. But I, I've done a few videos this year and last year I got in quite a few. And um, I, I didn't really think I would get into that whole video editing thing too much, but it kind of it kind of caught me by surprise. And I kind of really got into it. So that's been kind of fun, too. If I don't have clients, that's kind of what I'm trying to do usually is scouting and, and trying to film something and you know, put a fun video together. Now you're also doing a blog too, right? Chasing 30. Um, that's actually an ebook, I think on the website, if I remember what you're talking about. Well, like, I guess I, earlier I was looking at your website and it, it kind of, I guess I was thinking that the chasing 30 was, uh, um, you know, that, that you kind of posted updates and whatnot. Oh, so yeah. So there's a, the blog tab, if you will, is, is the fishing reports. And as a sub, if you subscribe to the fishing reports, you get the, the ebook is kind of a, a freebie deal. So chasing 30 is actually an ebook and the fishing reports. If you subscribe to them, that's kind of your, your ticket to get an ebook, I guess. So, okay. What the what, blog is a fishing report blog is what it is. What's an ebook. An ebook. Well, it's basically like a regular book, but it's electronic. <laughs> okay, so like like my wife yeah. has a Kindle that she's always. Yeah. I mean that that's what that's what it is. Did you write it? Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Essentially, what it is is it's just a, a PDF file. It's a book on PDF. Um, I don't. I think you could upload it into a Kindle if somebody wanted to. I believe somebody might have done that. Okay. Um, but if you subscribe on the website basically you just get a pdf as an attachment in an email and 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 you wrote that yeah it's basically um kind of my story of like chasing 30 is is the 30 inch walleye is what that's all about and kind of how how i got my first 30 inch walleye and then how it brought me into north dakota and how i wound up being a fishing guide out here so tell us about that first 30 inch walleye you got Ooh, um, yeah, that was fun. It was actually at Devil's Lake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so it, to make it a little longer, I guess it kind of started the year before, like when my dad and I first went there and we first got into jig wrap fishing and we, we caught, 
he got a 26 inch walleye like an hour into the trip and then a couple of days later i got a 24 and a 25 with jigging wraps and then we saw a guy in a boat next to us lose a walleye that we thought was probably right at 30 because his buddy missed the net job five times in a row oh jeez. <laughs> and it's like i mean we were on this spot and dad had caught two 18 20 inches or whatever and then i caught the 24 and the 25 and then all of a sudden this boat that was pulling crankbaits moves in in front of us and pulls out the jigging wraps when they saw what we were doing and then they got that fish and i was like dang it like that was my 30 inch you know that's kind of what i thought at the time um and then eventually i wound up coming back the following year with some buddies of mine and um we had two pretty darn good fishing days and then one pretty slow day in the middle with some kind of cold weather and some wind but that was the day that we, we caught three walleyes but one of them was 30 inches and that was mine so that was pretty awesome i i didn't really care about the rest of the day after that yeah, uh, <laughs> you don't i believe that. yeah <laughs> yeah Going back to the that guy who uh, botched the net job, uh, was there an exchange of words afterwards? Did it get pretty crazy or not? No. Well, it was the exact opposite. He he grabbed the net from his from his friend and threw it as hard as he could into the front of the boat, and it was dead silent for the rest <laughs> of the time they were there. Nobody spoke to each other. You didn't. No. Did Did you laugh or anything, or did <laughs> did they know that you were uh, watching? I I'm pretty sure they. I mean, we were. I probably could have thrown a golf ball into their boat from where I was standing. So we were pretty close. And uh, I don't remember exactly what my my reaction was, but I think some of it was audible. And I, <laughs> I didn't know my face was probably a little mangled looking. And, yeah, I was just I was just stunned. And I, I probably said something like, holy crap, do you see that? Or whatever. <laughs> like that. And, nice. Yeah, I, I was just... Every single time he stabbed and missed, a little part of me died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, it was, it was bad. Well, all right, Brad. Uh, before we let you go, um, if somebody's interested in getting up there to the garrison uh, area, fishing out on Sakakawea, um, how do they get a hold of you? And, and uh, uh, you know, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, so the website that we do most of our bookings through is bloomendallfishing.com. And since it is hard to spell and pronounce the name, I also have an alternate address, which is b-fishing.com. So that also redirects you to the website, which may be easier. Um, and on, on there, it's got, a, it's got a contact form, but it's also got my phone number and my email address. So anything through the website, we also have a Facebook page, uh, Bloomendall Guide Service. If they want to look us up on Facebook. Um, you can message us on Facebook as well. So between that and the YouTube channel, um, gives you a few options anywhere. Absolutely. Before we let you go too, you know, having listened to the show, we always do a good news story of the week. Scott and I always have one. I'm going to include you in on mine this week. Um, obviously being from rock rabbits here, you have a niece that I teach and, uh, you guys get her out fishing quite a bit and, uh -huh. I, I got to say that that's, that's pretty awesome to see the pictures of her. And then when she comes back to school, she can't wait to come up. And we, her and I talk walleye fishing quite a bit. So that's, no pretty, that's, that's pretty cool that you guys do that. And uh, I just want to give you guys kudos. I mean, you and your dad and your brother always seem to make sure you're getting those guys all involved. Yeah, no doubt. Um, 
I, I didn't realize she actually talked to you about it at school. That's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I make sure I yeah. see the pictures. And you know, <laughs> she caught that big northern or a while back when she was up there with you guys. And I I think it's cool that she got to go on that trip. And, yeah, I just, I just like that stuff. Yeah, no, that was definitely a highlight for me. Like, I, any, I mean, obviously, the goal of this is to get clients and get business and and to make money. But I honestly really look forward to any time that my family gets to come up here because um, those are the trips that that really kind of make make pretty good memories. And especially when it's somebody that young, like my niece, and because uh, she kept bugging Grandpa that she wanted to fish the big <laughs> lake, you know, and he finally took her out here and. She did really well. She was a trooper and caught some good fish and hung out on the boat for three straight days with some pretty crappy weather, honestly. So, yeah, that's that's going to stay in my mind for a long time. That was pretty awesome. That is awesome. So, well, Brett, uh, we appreciate you being on the show, and uh, we appreciate you uh, taking part in uh, that walleye classic tournament that we had here a couple weeks ago. And, uh, yeah, we hope to – Hope to maybe possibly fish with you someday and, um, you know, hopefully have you on the show again, uh, maybe come spring. Yeah, I'd, I'd love all of that, and uh, I'd definitely love to do it again. I'd definitely love to fish with you, and it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, man. Awesome. Thanks. See ya. Bye. And that was Brett Blumendahl of Blumendahl Guide Service, and that is pretty crazy that that's a dude from the town we live in, and now he's guiding way up on Skakawea. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's crazy to think that – you know, for him to be surprised that we have a podcast down here in Rock Rabbits. Right. And for us to be surprised that there's a guy from Rock Rabbits guiding up on Sakakawea. Right. Kind of crazy how the world works. But, uh, no, Matt, in, in other news, uh, I saw a Facebook post here a couple of days ago, and uh, it was from Cable's uh, Trading Post and Lodge, which is a bait shop over uh, uh, on the Iowa Great Lakes. And uh, they had said they, they also, at this bait shop, offer fish cleaning. And, uh, one of the things that they said in that post was that they were no longer going to be doing fish cleaning until ice started because they had cleaned 85,000 fish in the last 10 months. Wow. 85,000. So I want to know, like, realistically, dude, like, what do you think the percentage of the fish that get pulled out of the Iowa Great Lakes, what percentage of those fish that are harvested go to cables to get cleaned. It's got to be built. It's got to be less than 50%. That's what I think. So, I mean, you know, I, and, and maybe 10%. Right. Like, it, you know, I, I don't know. Low percentage. Right. I mean, it, it's got to be way lower than, I mean, and, and, and in no way, shape or form is this a knock on cables. Like I, I think cables has done a spectacular job at, at promoting the Iowa great lakes, promoting its fishing, uh, you know, I think it's awesome that they clean fish for, for those people. So in, in no way, shape or form, when I'm sitting here saying like, holy moly, that is a piss ton of fish. That's not a knock, like, you know, at, at anyone over there that, you know, geez, they should be letting more go. So don't take it that way. That's, that's not by no, any, it's, it's just any a testament means. of what the fishery is like. Right. Right. And so, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, say that they only clean 20% of the fish that come out of that, that lake that are actually harvested. You know, I mean, when when twenty percent is eighty five thousand fish, I mean, think about the fish that come out of there. And you know, I mean, there's still people. You know that I, I mean, like this year, I mean, the bluegill fishing was phenomenal right. out and on it, West Lake Okaboji. And it looks like it's going to be another banner at least winter. I mean, this like you said, this 
summer, spring has been great, obviously, as you can tell by the numbers, but this, this summer or this ice fishing season is going to be incredible over there as well. Right. So, I mean, you know, it, it's just really, really crazy. And, and I'd love to have like Scott Mockentune, you know, a, a fish biologist, you know, kind of talk about, you know, I, I, I know it's actually good for a fishery to, you know, have right. a lot of fish oh, yeah. harvested and, and whatever. But I mean, you know, you just wonder like, how many fish are actually in that lake then? No kidding. Because, I mean, it's still really good, and, you know, there's potentially that, you know, over a million fish get harvested a year. And, and when the, when's it going to cycle through again? Right. Like, Or if it doesn't. I mean, if what they're doing like this is a, like healthy harvest, that it's just keeping the fishery as well as it is. When, you know, I mean, you you can tell the cycle in the size of the fish, you know, right. it's, it seems like the yellow bass on east, you know, here two years ago, I mean, a year ago, it was not crazy to, you know, catch fish above 10 inches. And then, you know, it kind of seemed like, you know, they kind of dropped off again. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, in a year or two, you know, they'll start, uh, you know, they'll start getting bigger again. You know, the bluegill have really been a great year class right yeah. now, you know, I mean, just really, really nice bluegill. And, uh, you know, golly, it, it just when when I read that and I was like 85,000 because Stan's bait shop also cleaned fish. Exactly. Right. I mean, you know, so, so there's a big chunk of, of fish, you know, that were over there. I don't think it was 85,000, but you know, I mean, say it was even 15,000, you know, yeah. I mean, that makes a hundred thousand. And, and I really still think, you know, most people are taking their own fish home and, and cleaning them themselves. Yep. I, I'd like to know of that 85,000, how many of those were yellow bass off East Okoboji? How many were perch off Spirit Lake? That would be interesting to know, like, the numbers broken down by each lake over there. Right. But uh, it had to be a ton. Of, a ton of them have to be in perch off of Spirit Lake. Right. And, and I think, you know, I, I got a feeling between perch on Spirit Lake and, and uh, yellows off East. I'll bet you that is over 75%, those two, right. you know, and, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, I really thought that was crazy. What did you say that averages out to what? 283 or 285 fish a day. Cleaning that. I mean, those guys over there kind of, I mean, have nightmares about cleaning. Oh, gosh. They got to be able to do it with their eyes closed. Oh, for They're sure. look like a, a sushi chef up there or something like no that. No kidding. Just, do, 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 do. And, and we've done it. You know, we've we've gone up there uh, that day when me, you, and Ramrod went out there and, and started catching yellow bass for your family fish fry. After, after we, you know, started really filling up that live well, it's like, I don't know about you guys, but uh, my third is going to get cleaned and I'll pay yeah. for it. Like, I am not doing it. And no. uh, uh, we we ended up bringing them all up there. And they vacuum seal it for you. Yeah, and, they, and, I, I mean, mean it's, a, it's a great service. It really is. And um, it's well worth it. Yeah. Because that day, me and you and Ramrod went out there and I think, what did we catch? 163? 168. 168 yellow bass <laughs> and two perch. And we let some go. We caught we some bluegills on there. Yeah. Uh, we, I think we each, or, or not not each, but I almost had a, a muskie or a northern pull a yellow bass right at the surface, go right. shooting out there. And uh, Ramsey had that big walleye that stayed right down below. That was and, chasing a yellow yep, bass. Chasing yeah. a yellow bass. He was reeling in. And uh, I think maybe you had a northern swipe at yours. And I never did that day. Not that day? No. Did Ramsey have it then too? Because there it was, was just, two. It was just you and Ramsey had that happen. Yeah. You're not that good. No. But, uh. Then, so we go up there, we bring those yellow bass in there, we drop them off, 
And uh, they're like, yeah, come back in, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. So we ran down to Jimmy John's, got ourselves some sandwiches. And all of a sudden, uh, we're like, well, let's quick run up to Spirit and see if we can, you know, catch a couple yeah, walleyes. And we, what, we catch two short of a three-man limit or yeah, something like everybody that? Everybody was talking about how good the walleye bite was up there. So I was like, yeah, we got an hour to kill. Let's go up there. Right. And then I came back and caught that big flathead catfish out yeah. of the river. So that was my day. That, that was, was my day. I, of those 168, I'd say I probably caught a hundred and 120 probably. Probably. And then you I caught, caught the I other caught, 48. And, well, I caught probably, I don't know, 130 of the ones we actually kept. A lot of the 128 that you caught, we had to throw back. So They were too big. Kind of like Brett mentioned, no, you know, selective harvest on the, not on the on smaller. Not on yellow bass. We yeah, keep them. No, no. Smaller fish. I was just catching all the biggies, and you were catching all the littles. <laughs> no, nope. you and I did de- definitely catch the majority of those fish. Oh, yeah. Ramsey Ram- might have thrown like three or four of them in there. Well, he's freaking on his phone, or he's crying, or he's dancing, or he's singing, or doing something, never yeah. doing what he should be doing. But we'll take this opportunity to shout out to Ramrod, who's uh, across, I don't know, wherever Ramrod is, doing Army stuff. But, That's uh, right. But haven't... Uh, yeah, uh, we, we haven't made fun of him on this podcast for a while, and for quite a while, it was the staple of the podcast. Was <laughs> we always kind of had to do it. Yep, so uh, we haven't done that for a while, but yeah, whatever. Hats off, Ram, Ramsey. Uh, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> Town smells a little bit better with you not in it. So. <laughs> it's a little less greasy. Yep. So, uh, <clears throat> no, what, God, what, did we, what else did I talk about that, that we were going to talk about uh, here at the end? Uh, you were pretty pumped up about the the whole fish cleaning thing, so yeah. Well, that, that, that was is, a big deal. Just, that was that a big is, deal. It really is to have that many fish cleaned in. How many 10 how months. many perch do you think come off Devil's Lake in a whole entire year? Yeah, I mean, how many walleyes come out of Lake Francis Case? <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? I know seriously, and I mean, it, it it's not like oh, you know three years in a row and and we kind of fish it out and then it takes five more years to kind of come back. Like I mean, well, it's it, consistently banging them out it's a, it's just a testament to catch and release selective harvest i mean <clears throat> that stuff has become more and more popular over the you know right the right. last 15 years 15 20 years so uh, obviously it's a testament to what all that stuff all the conservation stuff the the fish hatcheries and all that all those programs right right the other thing that we were going to talk about is uh w- us possibly having another fish donkey That's tournament right. uh, here come this winter, an ice tournament. And uh, so, you know, just uh, me doing, thinking like I, I, I'm I always doing, uh, I'm like, well, no, 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 no. Let's back this up. Let's back this up. I, I, was, getting, the I was getting the carriage in front of Rewind. the horse. So here a couple weeks ago, uh, we were out, uh, you know, fishing. We had talked about it. We were fishing out with uh, uh, some of our Rapid City buddies and uh, – uh, we were kind of gotten to talk about, you know, this, this, uh, you know, the potential of having this tournament and, and whatever. And, uh, so, you know, we didn't know if we should, you know, do a toothy critters, you know, deal, you know, we're just northerns and pike and whatnot, or, uh, or how we should really northerns and pike walleyes and pike, my bad. But, uh, uh, I think it was Brian Kavanaugh and maybe it was oiler and Brian Kavanaugh, but, uh, they came up with the idea of potentially doing one walleye, three perch and five, uh, like bluegills or, or, or whatever. And I really think that that would be a cool one, you know, 
you know, you might be in a spot where you can catch a big walleye and, and other people might be in a spot where they don't have the opportunity quite as much to catch the big ones. But, you know, you might be on a really good bluegill area. Right. And, and, you know, so you can kind of make up a couple inches there. And, and I really think if you think about a, a tournament like that, I really think the people that can, you know, get the bluegills up closer to 10 inches, you know, you know, the other guys that are, are you know, measuring eight and a half inch bluegills, I mean, you can gain a lot of, you know, well, look what potentially happened. seven, eight inches. Right. Look what happened to us in our fish against the Midwest Angler Podcast tournament. Yep. yep. Our first one. We thought we had it because we had the biggest walleye of all right. of them and a couple nice bass and it ended up our... Bluegill our, our bluegills and, ended up costing yeah, us. So. Yeah, and we should have stayed on that dock just a smidge longer and upgraded. Well, when, yeah, you, what, when you think about it, like you said, if a person is in an area where they can catch like a 30-inch walleye, it's like, well, okay, they got a 30-inch walleye, but another guy's at a spot where he can catch three 12-inch perch. I mean, you got that one walleye beat with right, just your perch right, right there. So. Yep, exactly. So uh, it would be the grand total of uh, all nine of those fish, but uh, I think it would be a cool deal, and uh, so I think that's something we're going to pursue as far as a time of when we're going to do it. uh, January 1st is a Friday, and uh, I think the coolest way to do this would be to have the first ice fishing tournament of 2021 hosted by the Midwest Angler Podcast. So uh, I think we're going to go live at midnight, uh, uh, you know, as soon as the ball drops, you know, let her buck and uh, let that let that jig drop. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, <laughs> I can just imagine me and Matt, you know, watching the ball drop, you know, while we're out in our ice shacks, you just know, slowly lowering yep. that jig down right yep. into the water, right? Boom. With it. And so uh, we're gonna have the first ice fishing tournament of 2021. You can take that to the bank, and uh, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe uh, we'll see what kind of prizes we can get. Uh, um, I don't know if. I mean, as far as giving away money, would it be better off to, to charge a little bit more in an entry fee, you know, uh, 10, 20 bucks, or do you think that we should try to do five bucks and, you know, get more people in it? We, we have to charge a, an entry. We're not doing this to get rich. We're not doing it so that me and Matt can buy beer and smokes. Although I won't rule that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Right. Dang right. <clears throat> get the reds. <laughs> But Only. I, I don't know, no, non-filters. But anyways, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's a cool idea. Um, if anyone has any input on the whole entire deal, uh, shoot us a message because uh, we're still in the planning stages here. We're, we're open to input. Uh, you know, if and, and maybe we'll do a bonus northern, bonus big fish or something like that. But, uh, you know, maybe uh, <clears throat> get a couple prizes. Maybe we won't make it at all for, uh, you know, cash, just strictly prizes. Uh, yeah, I, I I really don't know. Uh, we'll we'll know more here in the coming weeks, but hell, it ain't even iced over yet. So, uh, yeah. But it's never too early to start thinking. That's right. That is exactly start right. Planning. Yep. So, uh, no. Uh, I guess that's all I got. What about mm. your new good news story of the week? My good news story. <clears throat> this is uh, this is a little bit late, but uh, last week. Did I even have a good news story last week? Just yeah, that slate came home. Slate yep. came home. But uh, I kind of dribbled this one down my leg, uh, whatever. But uh, my good news story <clears throat> is the fact that our past guest, Troy Deedy, uh, down uh, uh, here uh, like 10 days ago, uh, maybe it ain't even nine days, I don't know, a few days ago, uh, down on uh, Lake McConaughey was, uh, um, I think it was a TBF championship, right? Yeah, I think and, so. uh, uh, he ended up 
not getting first place in the tournament, but uh, got second place by just an ounce or two or whatever. But uh, he actually won the South Dakota Boater uh, Division. So that actually qualifies him uh, to be South Dakota representative down at the TBF Championship. And I'm not even sure where that's at. Maybe you know, Matt. I'm not 100% sure where it's at. Either way, if, if any of you guys know Troy, I mean, we're talking about one of just the best all-around dudes, period. I mean, Definitely. just awesome guy. Class and, act. Yep. So uh, the fact that, uh, you know, he he uh, he get, came away, you know, and, and qualifies yeah. for the championship, uh, I thought that was a good good news story. So Matt already had his good news story back with Brett. Uh, yep. So with that, I guess that's I that. We're out. We're out. Yeah. All right. See ya.